0: And welcome to another episode of the Bloodsucking Geeks podcast. We are doing a special mini episode of the podcast this week. Um, we're going to look at the entire Creep Show series. So we say mini episode. I hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> a mini episode, we'll see. Uh, but we wanted to do something to kind of tide everyone over. Uh, you know, it's still the uh, you know leading up to Halloween, so we want to get as many a- episodes. Um, out spooky. there, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and we also don't have the full crew no. this week. It's me and Corey this week. But,
1: you know, I think Cody gave us something for us to listen to. And, uh, but yeah, they couldn't make it due to uh, some previous sexual engagements that I might <laughs> to go into, but uh, very, very kinky stuff. But I'm sure they'll tell you all about it next time they're with us.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it'll be it'll be good to get the whole crew back. But like I said, we wanted to get something out there, um, in time for for you know everyone's Halloween and everything. So we're gonna look at Creep Show, and Corey, what what do you remember about the Creep Show series? Uh, you know, growing up, did you did you watch this a lot as a kid? Uh, I remember them.
1: Uh, I think the box art for the VHS tapes was pretty iconic just Mm. the creep in the movie theater or the creep kind of like it the uh, box office in for the first movie uh I didn't watch them a whole lot so it wasn't like a huge part of my childhood but uh definitely was aware of them and um I think they kind of set the standard for all uh horror anthologies going forward which we'll talk about a little bit but um yeah, I revisit them this week in preparation for this. And, uh, of course, the Creep Show TV series is now on Shudder. Uh, they're filming season two as we speak. So, um, yeah, it just seemed like something to be fun to go into and uh, something spooky for Halloween.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I love the series. I remember I would always mix them up, though, in my mind. I remember just watching creep show, but I've kind of in my mind, they've kind of melded together over the years. And so when they are doing this episode, I started looking at the, the, um, all the different episode titles between it. Yeah. And the creep show one, two, and I'm like, man, I still all remember all of these, but I couldn't remember which ones belong to which movie. Um, did, you know, going back, I know that and it will touch on more of it later on, but, uh, creep show started out as, as kind of a, a, a comic book style, uh horror you know uh i guess like a recurring comic book a monthly or i don't know how yeah. long i mean came out. did you ever read any of these growing up or anything like that no no
1: i never really was a, a comic book guy uh i mean in crowley there we'd have comic book stores baseball card stores that would pop darden's. up for like a month then go
0: out of business what? You, what you remember darden's
1: yeah yeah book. that's
0: over by videos yeah, because it was the guy, um, Dennis from Winn Dixie. He was the yeah. manager there for, so for a long Rodney time. Old fuck. Oh, he was an asshole, man. <laughs> I, dude, I thought he was so cool when he. Because, um, yeah, because Darden's was. Yeah, I, I used to go in there and hang out. And I thought they were so cool because they owned a comic book store. And. I was like, man, I want to do this one day. And then I saw that he was working at winn Dixie and I ended up working at winn Dixie. <laughs> and I was kind of excited. I was like, this is an old Darvis guy, man. I'm kind of excited about this. Turned out he was a complete dick. And yes, like Dennis listen to this, you were an asshole. I forgive you. You were you were an asshole.
1: Well, but yeah, so I didn't uh really read comic books that much, but uh actually so the whole creep show, I guess you can go back and uh, also Tales from the Crypt, obviously. It goes back to the EC comics from the 40s and 50s that was uh, started by a guy named Max Gaines, his educational comics, and they actually wrote, like, Bible story comics and shit to sell to schools and churches to teach the young ones about old Jesus. And then uh, he died in a boating accident, so Jesus didn't help him too much there, and his son, William, took over and uh, renamed it Entertainment Comics, and... um, they really did a bunch of horror, crime, satire, military, sci-fi, shit like that. And it was all, like, really socially conscious. And um, they were, like, racial equality, anti-war stuff, nuclear disarmament, uh, just things that in the, you know, late 40s, early 50s wasn't necessarily, you know, things people were talking about much. So in comic books and through the lens of, like, horror and sci-fi, they would bring things. And, like, um, they're – best-known works were Tales from the Crypt, was EC Comics, uh, Vault of Horror, Haunt of Fear, and their most well-known thing, and the thing that's still going, is Mad Magazine, because in the late 50s, or early 50s, uh, the Comic Code Authority uh, really started cracking down on censorship, and so basically they had to abandon everything and just go with Mad. And, I mean, they were cracking down on it so hard, they in one of the stories, um, an astronaut goes to a this other planet in the future. And there's two alien groups of people with different colors, not very subtle. And one group's treated differently than the other. And then this astronaut in his report is like, we shouldn't admit them to our galactic federation because they have this issue. And he pulls off his helmet. He's a black guy. And the guy that ran the censorship board was like, no, you have to change it. You can't be a black guy. And the the comic guys were just like, fuck you. this is exactly what we're trying to address. And, uh, so they eventually had to just, you know, get away from the horror and stuff and do mad magazine. But I thought that was pretty interesting. That is pretty cool. Hmm. So, uh, and of course the people like George Romero, Stephen King, uh, Thomas Savini, this is the shit they grew up reading. Cause I think it was a lot more accessible at
0: their age and whatnot, uh, when they were growing up. So, um, all say, though too that that actually makes sense. I was going to say even before you mentioned uh, Romero's kind of role and and kind of history with the Creep Show is that um, you know obviously George Romero did kind of the same thing when he uh, cast I can't remember the actor's name now, but in Night of the Living Dead he cast an African American actor in a lead role, which yeah. at the time was just you know you hadn't seen anything like that before. And not only that. Um, there was on i think he also what, what, what did he what was the other notable it was the first time of a black man kissed a white woman yeah, on,
1: something like that
0: yeah so anyway so what i was saying is it seems like you know ramirez kind of was you know impacted by possibly by reading ec comics and some of the you know more socially conscious and progressive uh, ideas that um, he read maybe early yeah. on in his life you know had an impact later on when he got to filmmaking and we saw some of those you know early uh you know kind of influences possibly from ec comics
1: yeah for sure i mean like you can look at night of the living dead dawn of the dead it's just gory zombie movies but i mean there's definitely social commentary in it um i think dawn of the dead's a little bit more obvious against consumerism and whatnot them being trapped in the mall and uh Stephen King as well, you know, in his work, there's a bunch of social commentary, but I think I see the EC comics influence in Stephen King's work so much more just, um, the kind of twist endings and shit like that, that once you watch creep show and stuff like this, just to get kind of a frame of reference, um, it's like, Oh, clearly (laughs) he was out. He was influenced by these comic books because this is
0: the exact shit. He still does. So, yeah. uh, I feel like it almost becomes formulaic in a way, like how they they set up the the twists and a other little bit, things, yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of like you know, M. Night shot Shamalama Ding Dong. I I, I I can't <laughs> pronounce his name. I'm not making fun. I just am dumb. Uh, yeah, you know, he's just gonna get a twist ending. and It's just like, okay, we know you can do that. But can you do anything else? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, I mean, Stephen King, he does do... I don't want to get on my Stephen King Definitely. soapbox, but uh, I'm a big fan, and he does way more than just, you know, the ooky, spooky stuff, and uh, if you really dig into it, you I think he could be taught in colleges for, uh, you know, people studying English and whatnot, but that's mm. I'm not going to go down that road, because I'll get all preachy. <laughs> we don't want that. No, 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 no. But, uh... Welcome. So do you want to go ahead and get into the movies that I mean we're trying to get up to the TV show, obviously. So yeah. get to the first movie and we could kind of talk a little bit about that. Okay. So uh the first one, Creep Show, was released in November of nineteen eighty-two, and the reason you know, Creep Show coming out after Halloween seems kind of goofy is because uh Halloween three was released October twenty-second and the Studio felt like there was no way they were going to be able to compete against it, but they did think that Halloween Three not having Michael Myers would cause it to burn out really quickly, which mm-hmm. it did. So by the time they released it, November tenth, Halloween Three had already gone uh, off the rails. That's Another awful. interesting connection is Tom Atkins, the star of Halloween Three, it plays the asshole father that book it in the scenes hey. that book in This. So he was in both of the major Halloween movies of
0: 1982. That's awesome. I had no idea. I mean, that's
1: Tom Atkins is just awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's not much else I can say. (laughs) If you're not familiar with Tom Atkins, uh, you need to fix that. But, uh, yeah, it was directed by uh, George Romero, who at this point by 1982 had done uh night of the living dead, obviously season of the witch, the crazies, Martin dawn of the dead and a movie called night Riders. So, I mean, he's pretty well established. And, um, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about is just why the TV show coming out now is such a big deal. And if you're not familiar with the movies, why they were such a big deal, because you have the dude behind night of the living dead and dawn of the dead. And then Stephen King who had, uh, Already written the novels Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, The Stand, The Dead Zone, Firestarter, and Cujo, and already had movies made out of Carrie and The Shining. So, I mean, he's pretty well established at that point because Carrie was a huge movie, The Shining, giant movie. And, um, so you get these two, like, titans of horror teaming up to make a movie, and it's going to get a lot of attention. And, I mean, imagine something like that happening today. Um, come up with whoever you want to, but it would be pretty awesome.
0: I'm I'm trying to think it would be like almost if you could hit like Jordan Peel and like, I don't know, Steven Spielberg together or something. Yeah. yeah, something like some weird, just quirky duo like that. But I think something really cool and creative could actually come out of something. But yeah, I mean, this is like I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think back um, while you're talking about this, Corey, is like wh- what time, maybe even before this Maybe like stick to horror. Like, was there a time where two really big names in horror and even different um forms of horror, even at that? I mean, you're talking about from you know, from movies and, and, and books they come together um to, to do this new movie. Like I don't know if that's really ever happened before up to this Well,
1: point. I mean, like Psycho, you had Hitchcock and Robert Block. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure how well I'm not sure the status of the novel of Psycho was when the movie was made but uh, obviously Hitchcock was huge sure. and um but yeah uh just peel they're solely known for horror because you know Kubrick and Stephen King with the shining and King wasn't happy with it and all that business so <laughs> yeah but uh creep showed the movie um happy with this one he wrote the damn thing too right yeah he uh They are based off his own stories, short stories, and uh, he actually wrote the screenplay. So um, it was his first screenplay, which he's gone to do several others. But it uh, consists of five uh, separate stories. Uh, Father's Day, The Lonesome Death of Geordie Verrill, which uh, Stephen King himself stars in. Something That Tied You Over the crate and they're creeping up on you. And I figure we can just talk briefly about each of these and why our thoughts were. Um, So father's day, we're talking about before we started recording um, basically this rich family, they're gathering together on the anniversary of the patriarch's death and his daughter who had killed him goes to the cemetery to like have a drink with him and she spills booze on his grave and he comes back to life and starts stalking everyone. I hope,
0: like, I hope maybe one day when I'm buried, like, someone will, like, drop, a like, a, a little dab of weed or something on my grave and, <laughs> like, make me come back to life again. Like, yeah. ah, who disturbs my slumber? <laughs>
1: and then you just poke your hand out, take the joint, bring it back down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back. Out to the, the, the grave.
0: Grave. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, great.
1: That one, it was a pretty cool one. I mean, the Savini did all the effects for this, which is awesome as always. And um, the little the ghoul that comes out of the grave is pretty cool. The effects work, and it ends with the, uh, I say, fairly iconic shot. I think of him holding the birthday cake platter with the severed head on it and candles in the hair. So pretty awesome. Um, The next one is the Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, which, as we said. it stars Stephen King himself as his pojunk farmer who uh, has a meteor crash in his field and he figures he can uh, sell it for some money. And then um, basically the goop inside of it starts to leak out and cause him and everything around his farmstead to uh, become overgrown with plants. He becomes a
0: plant man, yeah, which is yeah, a great yeah. song. If uh, yeah. you haven't heard it, I would check it out. Um, this was my favorite episode from this, uh, or favorite, like, an- like mini uh, film in this movie growing up, because I just loved how gross it was. I was a yeah. little kid watching this. This was perfect. It was just green goo, hair, <laughs> like, all just sorts of just nastiness. Uh yeah. Great to see Stephen King's slow transition from you know, his normal character and then he, into what he ends up becoming. It's just it's really funny. I thought Stephen King was awesome in this growing up. Like he seemed like a natural to me. He just was kind of funny. He had personality, which is weird because you hear him talk sometimes. And it doesn't yeah. seem like he has much personality. In this one, he was actually a character. And I thought he played that character really well. I, I it's been a while since I went back and watched that specific one. But for what I remember, I thought he did a really good job in that one.
1: Yeah, and um, just doing some research on it, I found something that uh, apparently Romero had him try to imitate Wile e. Coyote on some of his reactions and expressions. Oh and because it does seem a little bit over the top, but yeah. we had that in mind, it kind of clicks. Because the whole thing with this also I want to mention is they are supposed to be spooky and scary, but also there's definitely an underlying sense of black humor throughout the entire thing. So these are
0: meant to be funny as well as scary. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely. And there, um, a lot of these movies, too, because I, I want to say, like, um, the – what was it? Was it the Tales from the Dark Side movie? Yeah, we'll get into that later. I think they had some kind of, like, dark humor and stuff in those as yeah. well. And so it just seems natural. But it it's a really it, – it fits within kind of the – the framework of what they're trying to do with these movies. I think, like, I, I think it, it fits the vibe really well.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, you got to think the people that are making these movies are people that truly love horror movies. Um, not to bring up stinky corpses again, but Halloween resurrection, those people are just trying to make some money. They obviously don't <laughs> give a fuck about horror. These are, I mean, you mentioned, uh, tells from the dark side, uh, Romero was an executive producer on that, as well as Richard Rubenstein, who was also a producer for Creep Show. So, I mean, it's basically the same guys. It used stories from Stephen King, Clive Barker, Michael McDowell, uh, Robert Block, who we mentioned earlier. So, um, it's pretty much kind of the same thing because before Creep Show became a TV show now, basically, Tales from the Dark
0: Side from 84 through 88 was meant to be the Creep Show TV show. I absolutely loved this show growing up. I watched a lot of, of this. Um, and I remember sitting in my bedroom and the intro to that show would come on and it would creep me the hell out. I would, <laughs> Oh God, I can still cure it in my head. The, the, the music and it's so creepy. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I went back and found a bunch of episodes. I don't, I can't remember. I think I may have bought them all on DVD or something a while back and we started watching through a bunch of old "Tales from the dark side episodes. They, they still hold up pretty good. Some of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, they're definitely pretty awesome. And, um, they made the movie in 1990, uh, with, uh, let's see, John Harrison directed it. And he ended up directing a bunch of the episodes in the creep show TV show that we watch. And, uh, so yeah, it had a story or George Romero wrote it. And stories by Arthur Conan Doyle and Stephen King again. So um, this whole thing, <laughs> Tales of the Dark Side kind of flows with Creepshow is just mm-hmm. under a different name. Um, yeah. But back to the original movie, uh, the next one was uh, something that tied you over, which I think was probably my favorite one. It's uh, Leslie Nielsen, uh, Ted Danson, Galen Ross, who... Uh, you really only see her head, but she was the main chick in uh, Dawn of the Dead. And yep. she was in another movie under a different name. That it was a sleazy-ass movie, and she tried to kind of like have some dignity making some of these horror movies, so she used a different name. Uh-huh. But uh, was, Joe Bob did that movie. I forgot what it was. But, um, yeah, this is the story of – I didn't even really pick this up until I read about it. Leslie Nielsen figures out his wife is having an affair with Ted Danson. So he kidnaps them both, buries them up to their neck in the sand, right by the water's edge in the ocean, and then tells them, uh, you got to hold your breath, and when the tide comes in, maybe you can struggle loose when the sand gets wet. I don't know if that's how it works or not, either way. Uh, and then he has uh, cameras on them so he can watch it from his uh, beach mansion. <laughs> and then, of course, something happens. He can't find the body. The bodies come back as de- or, uh, zombies, and uh, he ends up back in the same spot he put them buried up to his neck in the sand as it cuts out. And uh, one of the things, I mean, Leslie Nielsen, we know him from Airplane, the Naked Gun movies, a bunch of stuff like that. So uh, we think of him as a big comedy actor, but he's actually a pretty like serious actor before that. And um, you see him kind of playing that straight type role in this, but apparently he was walking around this set, the entire time with a fart machine in his pocket. <laughs> so, uh, he would be doing that like right before they started rolling sound off and make Ted dance and start cracking up. And he's uh,
0: like grandpa, everyone wished they yeah. had, you know, like just <laughs> that really funny dude. Like, um, cause you're right. I mean, we only really started seeing him and stuff in the, probably in the nineties, you know? And by yeah. then he was, I mean, he was older, you know, he was probably well into his like late fifties. I would have imagined by then in the nineties. Yeah. Maybe, um so yeah, I don't I, I didn't know much of his career uh, you know, before then, before we started seeing him in the Naked Gun movies and yeah, you know, some of the others that that we really fell in love with he him.
1: was in the uh first prom night with Jamie Lee Curtis. So I mean he had done some more, but he was mostly a serious actor and uh I actually saw him do um a one man show as uh Clarence Darrow one time in no you know serious stuff. But it was Still awesome seeing... I have no idea why it was. I forget. Uh, back to it. Uh, the Crate is the next one, which is a really cool one with uh, Hal Holbrook and uh, Adrian Barbeau. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, Hal Holbrook's his <laughs> meek uh, college professor. Adrian Barbeau is his annoying, nagging wife who's drunk as shit all the time. And then a janitor at the college finds a crate supposed to be shipped to uh, Julia Carpenter from the Arctic Expedition. So kind of a call back to uh, The Thing, John Carpenter's movie oh, from 1981, right. I think. And um, inside this crate is some kind of weird beast monster that uh, Tom Zavini said they called Fluffy on the set. And uh, he actually called Rob Botton, the guy who was responsible for the uh, creature effects in The Thing, for advice on it because he had never done any creatures before he had done mostly just like prosthetics and makeup. Yeah. Interesting. So he uh, got some advice on how to actually do this full-size animatronic creature for his first time. Um, And that one is pretty cool. Again, you know, they always have these little twist endings and whatnot. Uh, I don't want to spoil those. And then finally, the last one, which is kind of weird to me uh, as they're creeping up on you. And it's this rich asshole business guy who has locked himself in this like sterile apartment everything's white very clean seems to be very obsessive compulsive and um roaches start invading his um apartment while there's a rolling blackout going on throughout new york city uh the guy is played by eg marshall who uh i think we would know best as uh the father-in-law in christmas vacation uh his wife's father oh uh, right e. G. marshall yes. yeah mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one. um, They actually used real cockroaches for this. Romero said it cost uh, the most expensive part of the production was that because they were 50 cents each. And they used 250,000 of them. So $125,000 in cockroaches.
0: Oh, my God. Can you imagine you're spending over $100,000 just to buy cockroaches when everyone else is trying to kill the motherfuckers? Hey, you know, the guy who, like, runs the cockroach business, it's like... I hit the jackpot. <laughs> Finally, his wife has probably been <laughs> nagging and, and shitting on this idea. For decades. <laughs> Years. I going to make it big. Who and is she, going to buy motherfucking cockroaches? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, bitch. One day he was just gone. He took that money and yeah. ran.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just to the curb.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, it came out, uh, right after Halloween. It was a pretty big success. They made it for $8 million. Um, obviously 125,000 was bugs and it made $21 million. So it almost tripled its money. Uh, it was the biggest grossing horror movie of the year and, uh, just, just a huge success. And like I said, it eventually in a roundabout ways, spawn tells from the dark side, which ran from 84 through 88. So four seasons with 89 episodes and Romero and Rubenstein, uh, were the executive producers and already talked about who, uh, wrote some of the stories mm-hmm. and you know that's pretty influential as far as just a weekly tv series goes and then in uh, 1987 they made creep show 2 which was a summer movie so it came out on may 1st romero's cinematographer michael gornick who had been the cinematographer for creep show uh dawn of the dead day of the dead he's the one that directed this one um Romero took over screenwriting duties, but he still based them on Stephen King story. So it's basically the same crew, just, uh, Romero stepping back and giving one of his guys that he trusts a shot at it. And, uh, this one only has three stories as opposed to the five, but that was due to budget reasons, uh, that they had cut a few of them. And I think one of the stories actually ended up in *Tales from the dark side of the movie. So, um, They had to, they only made for three and a half million as opposed to eight million, so a little bit less than half of the original movie. And um, the little stories we got are uh, Old Chief Woodenhead with uh, George Kennedy as the poor shop owner who has lent money to the uh, Native American tribe of the city and uh, is robbed one night, and the wooden. Uh, cigar store Indian in front of his shop comes to life and seeks revenge because uh, the tribe elder had like brought some jewelry to uh, George Kennedy to like hold on to until they were able to pay the debt. And uh, this asshole steals it all and ends up getting scalped for it, which is pretty
0: cool. Uh, and uh, Junior has a song called Kalijah. I don't know if you heard it, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's yeah. yeah so this, it, every time i hear it it always makes me think of this episode because i just yeah. think of this old indian dude um this i as growing up um are we talking about this specific episode yet can we like talk about our thoughts on it yeah, yeah yeah sure yeah because um i thought this episode was so cool as a kid uh i the the i loved just the transformation of the indian like stepping off like the thing for the first time and it, And then grabbing the guy by the hair. It was awesome. I really dug this episode.
1: Oh, yeah. It was uh, really cool. And just how uh, they come up with the different ways to kill the guys. And when I was looking at who played each person, so the guy that plays fat stuff is actually Hal Holbrook's son from the first movie. Mm. And then um, the guy that plays the Indian who says he's been growing his hair for nine years and thinks he's going to go to Hollywood and be a star because of his hair. He has some line where he's like, the women
0: are going to run their, my hair through their legs or something. <laughs> so I was like, oh, like that's so gross. And that's what people do. Uh, yeah, I guess but, so. Uh, you seen the show Mindhunter, right? Yes. Yep, yep.
1: Okay, you know the old cop in that one? The main cop? Uh-huh. That's the guy who's the long-haired Indian dude. Oh, yes,
0: you're right. So you're yeah. right. <laughs> I do remember that because I remember we I remember we were watching um this was like last year we we're watching Mindhunter, and I was like looked him up because like what else has he been in and I saw that he was in that and I was like it blew my mind because I would never oh, would have yeah. thought that, that
1: no <laughs> I uh, it's like that dude it definitely is not a Native American and uh, <laughs> I looked it up because I was like is he Italian like the old dude that did the car comp- the littering
0: commercials or whatever. Uh, I've So Says like, oh, you know, like, you know, my great-great-great-grandfather was was <laughs> Cherokee or some bullshit.
1: Yeah, his name's like Hope MacNanny or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I made my wife look at it. It broke her mind. I, I broke her mind twice this week. I told her Dexter Holland had a Ph.D. from The Offspring, and then I showed her this, and she's not really talking <laughs> to me right now.
0: Oh, man, that's hilarious. But, oh, yeah, the
1: no, joy of this- lived with me and the random shit I find out. Uh, the next one I think is one of the cooler ones out of the entire series, the raft. And this is, um, basically four teenagers go out to the middle of nowhere, uh, and swim out to one of those floating rafts in a lake. And they see this big, like blob, kind of like an oil slick floating around. And it seems to actually be like, uh, have, have awareness and eventually it starts sucking people down through the cracks of the raft and the effects are just gnarly as fuck because like it's not just a goop that gets on you and pulls you down it like melts your skin as it does yeah,
0: it it's, yeah like it yeah. somehow like eats your flesh or off or something it's it's really weird
1: yeah i think this is one of the uh, more iconic parts of creepshow 2 just the girl inside the blob reaching up through the water and all and then um, one of the guys gets sucked up. Uh, the blob comes through the grates of the raft and uh, it pops his leg off. So he goes down with his leg next yeah, to his that's face. And then the weird part, I wanted to get your take on this. So there's a, a guy and a girl that survive. They're on the raft. The girl's asleep. And this mm. motherfucker just starts taking her clothes off, sucking on her titties, all this. <laughs> it's just like. You're in a life or death situation. Your girlfriend died, her boyfriend died. She is asleep. She is clearly not giving consent and you're just like putting those nipples in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, it was
0: it was what the, the hell? hell. I don't know. Like god, like I I, I remember I do remember that scene, girl, and it, it was weird. I, thought you were say, I remember doing that myself, and never, never did that to. <laughs> that Was getting your face eaten off by a like a slime monster. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Um. Although I probably do have that bad a timing in life, especially when it comes to <laughs> sexual experiences, as, as this guy. But I did. I've never happened upon myself in this type of situation. I could say. Okay well <laughs> although like watching this as a kid though i did i i'll be honest i thought it was kind of, <laughs> kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, uh, because like yeah because she finally wakes up and then when she turns and it shows her face because you only see the great as creepy as this scene was because especially as it ages it doesn't age very well um but at the time it was really cool because you only she's sleeping and her, her the side of her face is like resting on the raft so you only see like that's the other side of her face, um, as he's kind of really assaulting her, um, God, uh, but then as she, she slowly wakes up, and she comes, you know, and, and as she awakens, she starts, like, screaming, and she turns towards him, she turns towards the camera, you see her full face, and the other side of her face, the blob has her, and it's, yeah. like, tearing flesh off her face. <laughs> that seed was on, like, I, it scared me, because uh, that, was just a weird moment because it made me feel lots of weird emotions in a very short amount of time. Yeah. We went from boobs and then this like face melting scene. Totally weird, man. <laughs> totally weird. <scene. laughs> if
1: only you could be Turkish and do that, then you'd be in the jackpot, buddy. So yeah, then, uh, the one dude swims to shore, he actually beats the monster to shore. And then inexplicably, he just barely gets out of the water. Like he could still dip his toe in the water. He's like, ah, fuck you, blob. And the blob's like, ha ha. And just comes up and like crests a big wave and takes him back under. And that was
0: the coolest part. Because <laughs> I thought, cause the whole time, because it would keep showing the shots of, because it was like a Trans Am or a Camaro, like a real yeah. cool park there. And I want to say, like, they let the doors open. There were T tops there were blaring the radio. You could hear it all. And so the whole time they're like, if we could just get to the car. He finally swims and he's like, I beat you, I beat you. And you're thinking like, holy shit, he finally got ready. And when it does that, I was I was like, oh my god, like it it that totally got me watching that back in the day. Um, yeah. that was a cool. Thing.
1: No, and then it pans over and there's a uh, no swimming sign buried <laughs> in the uh, overgrowth. So a swimming flesh eating slime. Yeah, I mean, is there <laughs> some other reason? Not yeah. just more. they saying, hey, there's this monster in here, probably shouldn't swim. We're not going to, like, close the lake, we're just going to put a sign. How's the fishing, though? Uh, I would think that Blob ate all the fish, but... <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, and then, well, finally, the Hitchhiker, which uh, I really enjoyed as well, it has a bunch of pretty good uh, gore effects. Uh, so, there's this lady who uh, is banging her gigolo, because... <laughs> We don't have enough, no, we really don't have enough gigolos in cinema. We have a bunch of like hookers and female sex workers, but not enough. I mean, Deuce Bigelow, of course. Right. But, uh, outside of that, not many gigolos. I mean, not until we got Hubie, uh, Halloween.
0: Oh, really? I, well, I need to see it still. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's basically a gigolo in that movie. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah.
1: Um, so this lady is leaving her gigolo to try to get home before her husband does. And uh, on her way home, she uh, drops her a cigarette, I think it is, and uh, runs over a hitchhiker. And of course, well, she's like, well, fuck, I could either do the right thing and, you know, check on this guy. I'm probably in trouble because I ran over a human being and my husband's going to figure out why I was out and not at home. Uh, or I, I could just I
0: leave the cocaine in the trunk, too.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so she does the right thing. She speeds off because it's a hitchhiker. He's probably homeless and no one cares. Right. And uh, Stephen King has a cameo as a trucker that arrives and tries to see what's going on. Uh, So she speeds off. She thinks she's getting away with it. She starts questioning whether she can live with herself and all that business. And then uh, somehow she sees the same hitchhiker on the side of the road again. And basically throughout the rest of the story, she does everything to get rid of this guy. He climbs on the car. She speeds up, throws him off the car, runs him off the road, runs him into a tree over and over and over at each time. This guy is getting more and more mangled and torn up. It's not like he regenerates <laughs> each time. He still has all these injuries of being run over like five times, being smashed into a tree a dozen times. And, um, by the time she gets home, she thinks it was all just a dream. that She crashed into a car in a tree, and had a concussion. But uh, he finally comes back. This at this point, just a hunk of ground meat, and uh, kills her. And then her husband discovers it and all. So he thinks he just she committed suicide, carbon monoxide poisoning in the garage. But uh, yeah, I think the effects on that one really are the centerpiece of it all because like i said he doesn't regenerate each time it's just more and more trauma and gore each time we see him i think we need to go back
0: to the gigolo talk for a minute okay (laughs) always always hope for gigolos right i'm wondering if gigolos um were a mainly an 80s phenomenon because you got to think we had lots of cocaine lots of parties i think you naturally you have gigolos there
1: oh i mean there's actually that movie with Richard Gere, American Gigolo. So, I mean, they, they've they had, so they've had American Gigolo, they've had Deuce Bigelow. So, there's two movies solidly centered around Gigolos.
0: And um, then you had Thomas Jane in that HBO uh, series for a while. He was playing a Gigolo. I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty really good. Um,
1: well, I mean, so you have those two for, like, female sex workers, you got Frank and Hooker, um, right. then the classic Whore, and Whore 2. I yeah. remember those boxes at videos back in the day. I, I don't remember that one. What?
0: I, like, Frank and Hooker was one of my favorites, but what was... I don't remember Whore. A called whore. <laughs> what, did they, uh, what did the box art look like?
1: It had a whore <laughs> on it by a car. Are <laughs> <I mean>, you... <laughs> What do you want? (laughs) Then of course there's the uh to get you of the what? That's all it took to get you to want to rent it? Like just the cover? I'm like thirteen years old and here's a movie called Horror. It's gonna be better than fucking old Yeller.
0: So did you try to uh you took that and like uh the exorcist up to your mom, like mom (laughs) one or the other, so which one do you think I should get? And that's how you rented horror.
1: And then there was uh, the classic series Angel, where she's like high school student by day, hooker by night. <laughs> and all of her hooker friends start getting killed. They made like several sequels on that. But I think we may be getting
0: a bit off track. <laughs> Maybe we should, tempo we should have stuff.
1: a sex worker episode.
0: <laughs> oh, we will. we'll, we'll do yeah. one just all on sex workers in horror films. Yes, that'd be fun. Uh, And so this one, we get into the Tales from the Dark Side movie, right?
1: Yeah. Tales from the Dark Side, 1990. uh, Like I said, directed by John Harrison, who directed several of the episodes and wrote several of the episodes of the Creepshow series that we're going to be talking about. Um, And then uh, Michael McDowell and George Romero wrote the screenplay based on uh, stories by Conan Doyle and Stephen King. And it had Debbie Harry, David Johansson, Christian Slater, William Hickey and Ray Dawn Chong
0: in it. Uh, just a pretty solid movie. I got to meet Christian Slater uh like a year or two ago. Yeah. And I he's way shorter Did you him than well? I, I he's <laughs> no, he's shorter than I thought he was going to be. Like he was about my height. I don't know. I just always assumed he was I don't know. It was weird, but yeah. uh, it was awesome. He was a cool dude, man. Christian Slater he's one of those just awesome actors that I just remember growing up and just always wishing I could like be his friend. Cause he seemed so cool, <laughs> <laughs> but he's still doing awesome shit to this day, man. I just, he's such an awesome actor. I love seeing him do stuff.
1: Well, I will not argue with you on that one. You seem to feel strongly about it. Christian. Uh, yeah. so tales from the dark side, 1990. And then, um, really not much from this overall, like collective, I would say, um, Creepshow 3, which we're not going to talk about much at all, came out in 2006. And that I was basically the just thing. in name only. Uh, a group called Taurus Entertainment purchased the naming rights and uh, just put it out. It was nothing but bad things about, been said about it. So we're going to gloss over it. But interestingly, Taurus fucked that up, but they're the ones who made this uh, TV series what's going on right now so hey okay. i was they kind of about that. redeem themselves
0: yeah i was gonna see if like did they did someone have to buy back the stuff from Taurus entertainment or what but um that's interesting because like I, i'm not familiar with Taurus entertainment um yeah if they bought it in 2006 they didn't do this t- the new tv series until 2019 like what were they doing for the All past right. 13 years or so with this like the, the try
1: and get whore five off the ground.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this is how, this is just their cash machine. This is how they're going to fund whore five. I got it. Okay. Yes. (laughs) yes. Uh,
1: And actually I didn't even realize it until I was watching, you know, the TV show and I saw a tourist entertainment. I was like, holy shit. I remembered reading that. So, uh, but then what we're, trying to talk about today uh creep show the tv series uh on Shudder. it debuted uh september 26th of last year and uh it had some pretty big names in it uh as far as the actors go tobin bell from the saw series jeffrey combs from reanimator uh from beyond the frighteners mm-hmm. uh, bruce davison dj qualls giancarlo Esposito, adrian barbeau returns david arquette and the always hot trisha helfer from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Woo. Um, <laughs> Greg, Greg Nicotero is the guy that uh, is the executive producer and basically the showrunner. Um, he got to start doing special makeup effects Uh. Part, as part of – he's the N in KNB with uh Rob Botten and uh Robert Kurtzman. Uh. So they did uh his first – he actually was saying that when he was a kid growing up in Pittsburgh – when he was 17, I think his first trip to a movie set was to George Romero's set for creep show. So it kind of yeah. comes full circle that now he's running the
0: creep show TV show. Um, but his, his first job is for you know, as a kid in high school that you get to just go on set with to George Romero's filming. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. We
1: have things like that in Crowley.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't have access to that stuff. Uh, but he got That's his right. first job, yeah, Nick Taro did, out.
1: as, yeah, but he got his first job doing uh effects for uh, Day of the Dead, he did it for uh, Creepshow 2, Predator, Evil Dead 2, I mean, this guy's been involved in, like, any franchise you can think of, Evil Dead 2, Phantasm 2, Halloween 5, Bride of ReAnimator, Pumpkinhead 2, New Nightmare, in the Mouth of Madness, Lord of Illusions, Dust Till Dawn, Scream, Kill Bill, I mean, he's worked with everyone, Tarantino, mm-hmm. Wes Craven, Robert Rodriguez, Clive Barker, Carpenter,
0: just fucking everyone. Ramey, um, it's like I think the, the biggest thing that I find strange about it, because I'm sure he's been well-known in the horror community for a many number of years, but it doesn't seem like he really made a strong name for himself, maybe outside of the pure horror community. until maybe I would say like, I didn't get really familiar with the name Greg Nicotero until the walking dead. Yeah. Um, that, Hearing it more in like pop culture c- circles and stuff. Well, had you were you familiar with like k and B's his effects company? Oh, um, I I know I've seen movies that they've worked on and stuff. I, I know I've seen some of that. Yeah. I'm not familiar with the name KB, um, but I just wasn't familiar with like him as like his name. But looking at all the stuff he's done, I'm familiar with almost yeah. all of his he's done i just didn't know like this is the guy that's been you know partly responsible for all these things
1: yeah that I love. no i mean he's he's done all of this shit but also i mean if you look at his same db pay major like blockbuster hollywood movies too that aren't horror but um i just first got exposed to KnB growing up reading fingoria and just reading all about the effects and shit like that and magazines like that so uh yeah and then like you mentioned um lots of people probably know him from the walking dead. He's the showrunner for that. Basically now, uh, executive producer, special makeup effects, supervisor, and the primary director for not only the walking dead, but also fear of the walking dead. And, wow. um, lots of, there's lots of carryover from the walking dead to the creep show TV series, as we'll see, as far as actors, directors, writers. Um, so the first season was six episodes with, uh, Two stories per episode. The first one, uh, Gray Matter, directed by Nicotero and based on a short story by Stephen King. Uh, A kid's father who's an alcoholic basically turns into an alien monster. Uh, This one has Adrian Barbeau in it, Tobin Bell, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, So some pretty big hitters to kick off the series. But really? eh.
0: I thought this was a weak episode. The thing that I thought it's it's sad when the most notable thing about the episode is just the actors, the old horror actors that yeah. had been in it. I felt like that was that almost overshadowed everything else in this episode. Overall, I thought it was kind of meh, but I thought some of the special effects and stuff were, were pretty, yeah. pretty cool. But just overall, as a story, I thought this was kind of a weak one to to, you know, kind of be the first one you kind of present your, you know, your viewers.
1: It's kind of like a weird mix between the lonely, lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, Mm because that's the way like his father becomes. And then just, uh, I don't know any creature feature where, you know, they start multiplying and at the end of the show, it's like, they're taking over the world. Um, the second part of this first episode, the house of the head was one of my favorite ones. I found this one to be be super (laughs) creepy. Uh, John Harrison, the guy who made uh, Tales from the Dark Side of the Movie, he actually, he was the composer for "Creep Show," Day of the Dead, and Tales from the Dark Side of the Movie. And uh, right now he does basically uh, exactly producing for like Diary of the Dead and the new Dune movie that's coming out next year. Oh, oh. Man, I so love the that these been connected the for a while.
0: Dudes. I like that these are all the same dudes that they just kind of like, hell, let's, let's we, we, we found someone to pay us to do these again. Let's yeah. just get the old guys back together and let's make a new a TV show again. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that if I ever became like disgustingly wealthy after I did um stupid shit, and then I guess some charitable things because I'm a decent person. I'm not, uh, I would just hire people like this and be like, hell yes. Make these cool fucking movies.
0: <laughs> a sequel to, I don't know. That's a movie that I've always wanted and just do it exactly how I want you to make it. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for you. Uh,
1: and also the guy that wrote this story is the guy that wrote the no- novel bird box that they made the movie on Netflix with Sandra Bullock. So, I mean, that- that's some pretty heavy hitters right there and this episode is a girl little girl uh judith grimes on um the walking dead the little girl uh she has a dollhouse and inside the dollhouse this random severed head appears and each time she looks at her dolls they're like in distress as something weird is happening in their house and uh, it goes on from there it's just super creepy uh Dollhouses can be creepy.
0: They I like love this the movie, so dearest. well dearest. Yeah, I love just like the, the camera work in it, how it just kind of uh, you know, slowly goes from room to room in the dollhouse and you just see how the different dolls have moved or their expressions have changed and how it's weird how just they can really tell a story just through the dolls yeah. like moving through scene to scene. It's I thought this was a very creative episode. Um it's just, it sucks that it was just kind of back-ended by gray matter. Um, yeah. Or it did back- you notice
1: that when she goes, so she gets a cop figurine to try to help them out. Cop gets his head chopped off. Uh, <laughs> so then she goes and asks for like a priest or a rabbi, and the store owner gives her an Indian chief. And it's the exact replica of the one from Chief Woodenhead from Creep Show 2. Oh, that's so cool.
0: I did not know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so uh, is, it makes gave me. I was just gonna say this episode also kind of gave me some Indian in the cupboard vibes. Yeah, just like <laughs> the silliness. Um, but um, uh, but no, man, this this is really cool. What were we gonna say?
1: Uh, they have that callback, but also the ashtray from the very first part of the very first movie, um, Father's Day. The ashtray that she uses to kill her father with. That appears in every single movie, in every single story, in, yes. throughout the entire TV show as well. Is that so right? So I caught it a few times. I need to go back and find it in the rest of them, but if you get bored, that's something you can do. Um, next episode, Bad Wolf Down. Uh, basically, a rehash of the movie Dog Soldiers, which was awesome. Uh, this is pretty good. It has Jeffrey Combs as a Nazi, which is fun. Uh, but basically, there's nothing new here. I did like how... They covered up their lack of budget for the transformation. So they went to comic book panels and showed the transformation that way. Which I I get it. They're trying to save money. They don't have the money to do it. But it works for me, especially in the context of this is a horror comic
0: TV show. This one so I, I felt bad. Like this is I'll I'll admit I was being a bad parent, so I let Odin watch a little bit of this episode <laughs> with me. He loves uh werewolves. He's it's totally in a, a werewolf mode right now. He's um he actually thinks some friends of ours are werewolves. And so they? he's like, they I, I think they're fucking werewolves, dude. I totally do. But um you didn't hear that from me. But no, like we started watching this one, and this was great because he's also been bugging me to watch Dog Soldiers for a long time. And I'm like, I your mom will kill me. If I let you watch Dog Soldiers, I was like, you're not old enough yet. We cannot watch Dog Soldiers, um, which, shit. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Dog Soldiers, but I don't know if it was violent, some of the stuff in this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I. overall, I really liked Bad Wolf Down. I thought some of the uh, effects were really good in this episode. I guess we should talk about the the story of this one. This is basically a... I guess a platoon of of soldiers uh set during World War II. They're basically behind enemy lines. Uh they're being surrounded and, and kind of attacked by this group of Nazi soldiers. And they're driven into this uh house. I guess they think it's uh it ends up being like an old uh jail, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, old jail. Town jail. <laughs> yeah, because they're just in some European village they find themselves in. And uh, they slowly <clears throat> realize that there's, like, dead bodies on the floor and and stuff. Um, then they find that there's a woman that has locked herself in one of the cells. Uh, and so, uh, there's always one guy in any of these movies, where these war movies, there's always a guy who speaks <laughs> French or some other language that just so happens where he knows enough of it to get by uh, to do that. So Of course. Uh, yeah, so thankfully they there's a soldier that, that who can speak uh, and translate. He's like, I know a little bit, but then he translates like intricate, yeah. like like multiple, multiple like uh you know like steps. Ah oh, fuck. Um, but anyway, <laughs> God damn it, I'm gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> My mind just went blank there. I don't know where I was going. And so yeah, so they basically they they find this woman who's she's actually imprisoned inside one of the cells and. They, one of the guys actually shoots her because he's sitting against the, she like puts her arms around his neck for some reason. And he turns around and shoots her. Yeah. And, and she they would. Right. As I guess it's the only normal thing to do when you're in some weird French village inside a, a, a town jail. So they go in to try to render first aid and she starts like screaming to them. And she's <clears throat> basically saying something along the lines of like, um, she locked herself in the jail, and she can't die, and she's going to kill them, and all this other stuff. And so, she basically tells them that she is a werewolf, mm-hmm. and that she wants them to kill her, and she was actually trying to get, like, the crucifix off the guy's neck. She wasn't trying to kill the guy. Yeah. She was trying to get the crucifix. Uh, so, I guess she could kill herself? Is that what she was going for with well, that? Like The way she... So...
1: Like you said, they realize, oh shit, she's a fucking werewolf. And then before this happens, one of their guys basically locks them in the cell with her and leaves them, which I really don't get. Uh, And then so there's like, well, fuck. And they know the Nazis are outside because Jeffrey Combs is out there saying we're coming in. And there's like, well, we got one thing to do. I told you we got this one way or another. So the lady swallows the fucking crucifix, which has to hurt going down. I mean... (laughs) Oh, I think Linda Blair had a little bit better luck with it going in a different hole, but that's uh oh
0: from our other episode. <laughs> uh, does it ever bother you when people in movies um eat uh like a pills but they don't drink any water with them? They just take it and put it in and just swallow them. I'm like what kind of maniac does that? I mean,
1: not that much. I know there's some people like my mom when she takes pills, she has to like show them down the back of her throat like a fucking dog or something. Uh, I've never had an issue with pills, just, but yeah, I would like a glass of water with that to just, it's not fun, but uh, yeah, she just swallows down the crucifix, but then the guys ask her to bite them before she dies. So she does. And by the time the Nazis come in, they go through their werewolf transformation and then they just go werewolf Nazi killer on them, which is pretty awesome. Nazis versus were so werewolves. Cool.
0: I also, what I thought was really neat is how each of the werewolves had a different, complete design. They were completely different. Like, one went from your traditional kind of, like, I guess, um, something you'd see from um, American Werewolf in London or something like that, where it's a fully figured uh, werewolf, and then you see one that looks more human-like, but just with, like, werewolf features, Uh, and one that's crawling on all fours, like, more of, like, a wolf-like dog creature. I thought that was a neat touch that they all did the same. They had some personality to them.
1: No, I agree. Uh, that was really neat the way they did that. And, uh, I definitely picked up on that as well. Um, and then, uh, so the next one is the finger. I think this one might be the one that most attention of all the, all 12 stories. Um, it was again, directed by Greg Nicotero and, uh, started, DJ Qualls, who turns in a really good performance, I thought, and uh, just it's a really solid episode.
0: I I had not seen DJ Qualls in a movie in a long time. I can't even remember what it was, but um, yeah, this is a very. It's one of those that's um, it's like very self-aware. It breaks the fourth wall throughout yeah. the entire thing to the point where it even it's weird. Like he even will stop in mid scene and just like it does this thing where he'll, like, like when this, he's talking to the cops yes when he's talking to the cops so it's like it almost makes it seem like he's reenacting the story for you as the viewer um but he'll yeah. go in and out where he's like back in the scene again and he's interacting like as you would and you're back as a viewer just kind of watching it and then he'll bring you back in and be and and kind of like talk to you as the viewer directly it's 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 a neat Back and forth that this whole movie, this 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 um, episode does um, throughout this whole thing. I, I thought it, it was a cool touch.
1: Yeah, so uh, the basic premise is he's a type of guy that likes to just walk around and collect things that he finds. And he uh, finds a random finger on the ground, which unlike I would think most people would be like, oh, that is fucking nasty. It's a finger. He keeps it. <laughs> And uh, he puts in, like, a butter jar in his refrigerator. And eventually, over the course of time, this sucker grows and grows until it becomes a full-blown creature that's basically... It looks a lot like an alien from uh, the movie Alien.
0: Um, a little bit smaller. And maybe, like, if that alien... From, if, 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 if an actual xenomorph had sex with a little creature from Spaceballs, they would create... <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be their, their love child.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. And I would want to see a video of
1: that copulation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically the whole premise is this creature, which he names Bob, uh, kind of somehow understands English. And, you know, he's getting divorced. He's got debt collectors, all this shit. And whenever the creature senses that DJ Qualls is getting pissed, it takes off out of the house and brings back some kind of memento that shows I killed this motherfucker. Like <laughs> he almost gets run over by a guy in a truck with the uh, classy balls dangling yeah. from the tailgate. Nuts. Yeah, and so the creature brings back the dude's nuts, and um, <laughs> that, that we is, have a great scene where he's what? trying to shred him up the garbage disposal, and you get nut blood all over your face. <laughs> he nutted it. Uh, yeah, and just, it, they have a lot of fun with it, like, when he's going to kill the uh, debt collector, he's flying to Texas or whatever, and the effects are what they are, but it's fun. I mean, it's not taking it's not it. stuff
0: too seriously. But those scenes that are actually kind of endearing, like, there's a scene yeah. where he, like, he, yell, he yells at um, the lady on the phone, the debt collector, and Bob... Thinks he's getting, he's yelling at him, and he's it. like, "Bob, I would never yell at you." And like, he cuts <laughs> his hand, and Bob's hand grabs it. He's like, yeah, <laughs> "Died." It so stupid, yeah. but it's funny. I loved it. It was so great.
1: Yeah. No, I think um, that and House of the Head might be my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. But let's keep this moving. The so I think episode two with Bad Wolf Down and the Finger, pretty solid.
0: That's uh, I think the episodes.
1: Yeah, uh, the next one I'm gonna group these together because all Hallows Eve, uh, basically a bunch of kids that were killed in some previous Halloween by some other kids and a prank gone wrong come back to get revenge. Mm-hmm. There's that's about it. Not yeah, anything nothing. Not
0: yeah, I mean there wasn't really. I mean I guess there was a little bit of the twist because I don't remember when you find out. Um, with that one, but I, you always in any type of anthology series, there's always these kind of ones that are just kind of weird and kind of out there. And this was kind of that one. It's, it wasn't over from what I remember, it wasn't like overly violent or anything. It was just kind of a, a kind of a story. It was just kind of a ghost story, really.
1: Right. Uh, and then the companion piece to that one for this episode was the man in the suitcase, which was one of the weirder ones, I think in the entire series, it's this a unique take on, like, the genie and a lamp
0: mm-hmm. story.
1: Yeah, like, um, uh, it, so basically this guy.
0: Oh, go ahead. ahead. I think there's lag going. Go ahead. I just, I, I, I. there was, like, um, a moment of, like, uh, dead air, so I started talking. But I think we have, like, a little bit of lag going. <laughs> so you go, you go ahead. Okay. Right. so
1: yeah, basically this guy finds a suitcase at an airport baggage claim, which I'm not sure if he like mistook it for his own bag or he just found a bag It was like, hey, I'll take this bag. Maybe but Either way,
0: he gets goes to the airport and just steals other people's luggage. Are those is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. People will do that. You gotta watch out, man. Hell, I keep my, my eyes gosh. open next time I go.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, so he brings it home, and basically, by the time he opens it, there's a fucking dude folded up in this suitcase. <laughs> and not just, like, contortionist style, but, like, it pretty much looks like he has been taken apart and shoved in there. And uh, But he's still alive and talking, and he eventually uh, comes to the realization that any time he, crea- he causes pain to this guy in the suitcase, he spits out these gold <laughs> coins, And then, of course, he uh, gets his girlfriend and his friend who are banging on the side behind his back. And then they start just like, well, fuck this. And they start like, you know, hooking up jumper cables to the dude, throwing the suitcase down the stairs, just pulling teeth, really causing lots of pain to get all this money. And uh, eventually the guy who found it is like, hey, we have got to, you know, stop this. This is morally wrong and so his girlfriend just whacks him on the head with a hammer and then the genie's just like okay fuck you guys Uh, and then destroys them puts them in suitcases and basically lets the guy who wanted to stop live because he was doing the right thing after torturing him for 48 hours (laughs) he wanted to stop at some point torture is okay as long as it is limited to 48 hours
0: all is forgiven if you stop within 48 hours
1: yeah but that, that was a pretty clever one. Uh, nothing, you know, especially groundbreaking, but a clever story. I thought, um, the rest of them, the companion, uh, a scarecrow come to life story, which was oh, decent. Yep. Um, then, uh, Lydia Lane's better half with, um, Tricia Helfer. And that's, uh, the one where she kills Trisha Helfer's this big, like businesswoman. And she kills her lover when she doesn't give her the promotion she's looking for. And she tries to sneak her she kills her in her office. So after everyone leaves, she tries to sneak her out in the elevator, the corpse. But at the time there's an earthquake in California. So the elevator gets stuck. And while she's stuck in there with this dead body, it starts fucking with her, coming back to life, moving on its own shit like that. And uh so by the time the firefighters get there to rescue them, uh her head has been removed from her body. And I thought it was, that was one of the few of these that my wife actually watched with me and she thought it was creepy as hell. Um, the lady that plays the corpse, even though she doesn't really have much to do being a corpse. Uh, I thought it, she was just really, really creepy and just her expressions
0: and I stuff like this kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this is a good episode. I, I really like this. One. This was one, uh, my wife and I actually watched when the series first came out. Um, I remember watching this one. Um, this is this was a solid episode, I thought.
1: Yeah. Uh, next, uh, we're probably just gonna kind of run through these. Uh, Night of the Paw with uh, Bruce Davison. I thought this was one of the better ones of the series. Um, retelling of the classic uh, Monkey's Paw, uh, hmm. tale where. You get three wishes, and, of course, each wish comes back to bite you in the ass somehow, some way. And, um, basically, this girl gets lost and seeks refuge at a farmhouse. And it turns out she's there because he had wished her to come there. And um, there's a whole story. It's it's pretty cool. Again, I think it kind of peters off,
0: but uh, what did you think? Yeah, like, I I, I I thought this was fun. I, I have been this one I, I i don't know if i even finished this episode now that i think of it but um yeah i i probably don't have too much to say on this one because i don't remember if i finished this one i yeah she basically ends up back at the uh um,
1: hospital where she had killed her boyfriend and then mm. all the other corpses down there and then more come back to life and that's how it ends just lots of these in in that way where someone who's trying to get as quick one over on death or something like that ends up
0: fucking it up in the end. And, you know, it's, get it's not. The, up it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's always nice to see. It's a, a lot of them are stories of revenge too. Like where there's yeah. like a swear, you know, sometimes the lesson to be learned is to not get revenge because right. then it can come back to bite you in the ass. Um, and I think that's what, um, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's an easy thing. It's an easy story to tell. Um, but, um,
1: when, then, uh, the last three times is tough in Musky Holler, Skin Crawlers, and by the Silver Water of Lake Champlain, which um, wanted to talk about is directed by Tom Savini and by Joe Hill, who um, yeah. I'm not sure if we actually talked about it while we've been recording, but Joe Hill, uh, Stephen King's son, the author of Nosferatu, he was the little kid in the scenes that were the bookends of uh, the original creep show, Tom Atkins. Uh, I know we talked about it before we started recording, but that's kind again, everyone involved in this just continues to be involved in it. And, uh, Mm. I think that's really cool and makes this creep show, I guess, slash tales from the dark side series. So, uh, enduring and kind of the one that sets the example for all the other horror anthologies out there.
0: Yeah. Um, this one was a good one. Um, Skin crawlers, I thought, was also kind of cool because the, it's the one where like it, there's creepy crawlies that get inside yeah. people's bodies. It's just really gross. Uh, <laughs> God, David Cronenberg type stuff. Yeah, it's basically where uh, there's this guy that invents this new diet thing where he basically finds these like eels in like South America that will like. P- bite someone and suck out all the fat from their body basically or kind of liquefies <laughs> the fat like sucks it all up. And so people go in there, get that done, and the next day they're super hot. Um but it's all is not what it seems type of story. And and there's kind of a twist in it. I don't want to spoil. But I thought that was fun. That was a that was kind of a neat one. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean it's it's a takeoff on I mean like I mentioned Cronenberg, but the movie mm-hmm. shivers. Uh yeah. The whole thing is that is he comes the doctor comes up with some kind of parasite that lives inside of you to take care of some functions that organs do and then eventually turn you into sex grade zombies which is badass but uh yeah good episode solid one and
0: uh really liked it yeah uh overall like i thought this was a very solid season for yeah their their first kind of first entry back like i it feels like they a lot of times they didn't even skip a beat either like if they're kind of right back to where their kind of comfort zone is telling these kind of stories yeah but there was some good stuff in this season
1: well just listening to some interviews with nick Otero, he was saying that you know he was stressed out because i think they filmed each of these over like the course of three or four days and as soon as one was over they were on to the next one and just the logistics. I mean, I'm sure they use the same crew pretty much, but the actors directors and all that just, they had to be a pain in the dick. But,
0: uh, (laughs) yeah,
1: during season one, it was announced that it was being renewed for season two. They were supposed to start filming in March, but COVID happened. So they started filming actually, uh, in September. So it's going, uh, Keith, David from, uh, They Live is going to be in it. Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser will be in it. Uh, Lots of the same directors and writers. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think Shudder's got themselves something pretty cool here as far as the original horror anthology. Um, I usually really don't go for the horror anthologies that much. Uh, VHS is okay. Uh, Trick or Treat. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of them out there, some better than others. Uh, wh- what's your take on
0: just horror anthologies and general? I l- fucking love them. I really do. I, <laughs> I've grown up watching them. Like I said, I grew up watching creep show. Um, you know, I love tells from the crypt. Um, I love the type, I love the crypt keeper style of characters. I think yeah. they're just really cool. Like I love crypt keeper as a kid. Uh, he was, he was awesome. Like, I mean, he was, he was like a legit, uh, like, he was super popular. He was like a celebrity for us growing up. You know, like, everyone did his voice and everything. Um, so yeah. I love type of things. I'm really excited. I love to see new ones coming out, new anthology series. It, it seems like they've got some really good ones even on Shudder um, that you can uh, choose from. Did you see, though, too, that they're coming out with that Creepshow animated uh, Halloween special on like, October couple Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got that uh, in... Uh,
1: one of the Shutter press releases was talking about that, and that should be. I mean, just Shudder right now, Jesus! They got the Vincent Price collection out there, uh, just a bunch of really good Halloween shit out there. And you know, it, this is tis the season. This is like yeah. our Christmas, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> bunch of
0: awesome shit for sure. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so we have the Creepshow Halloween special on the twenty sixth. Jo- we have the Joe Bob special coming up here. Oh this- yeah. Pretty soon. When is when is that one coming That's out? probably like two weeks from now or what? from Friday. We should really do. We got to do a a watch along of something before yeah. Halloween. Like we we've got to figure it out. Um and and just maybe do something on Facebook or something. Make it easy. You do earnest <laughs> well Yeah, maybe that would be fun. Just do something where we could all just hang out, do something fun, and just kind of laugh and talk through stuff. Where we just all start, hit the start button at the same time and we just
1: yeah oh. just
0: let it go. For sure. That would be fun. But, yeah,
1: I'm not sure how many this episode turned out to be, but uh, <laughs> I
0: think we didn't go too far off into the weeds on anything. No, I mean, it's, we, we kept it moving. Um, I know I, I was worried because you and I, I think like to delve into the details a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> so two of us together, um, but no, it's uh it we will have uh, Corey and Robert, or I'm sorry, Cody and Robert back uh, for the next episode. Um, but we may end up doing another one of these mini episodes before yeah. uh, before Halloween is out. Who knows?
1: Yeah, uh, Hubie Halloween has been discussed. Uh, mm-hmm. So Ernest scared stupid. Lots of material out there, and like I said, all the streaming services, you know, they're releasing all their uh, Halloween business, and we're trying, you know, get more content out there to you guys, and uh, for some reason, let y'all listen to our terrible voices week after week. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, I, I guess that's going to do it for this week's yeah. uh, episode. Um, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you guys what you thought. If you have any any memories of the Creep Show series, uh, any strong feelings, if you like them or if you hate them, let us know. Uh, go on to Facebook. Uh, join the Blood Sucking Geeks Facebook group. And we're there talking basically horror all throughout the week, yeah. everyone. And stuff. It's a lot of fun. We really enjoy, uh, you know, everyone keeping the conversation alive out there on Facebook. Yeah, because,
1: you know, lots of social media interaction is the norm these days. So uh, there's other horror fans like you out there. And uh, it's always fun. People telling us about movies they've seen that we might not have heard of and just getting discussions going, uh, just building up the horror community. It's a lot of fun.
0: Exactly exactly so we'll be back again very soon i don't know if if which episode we're going to be doing next we may do a mini episode before our next either a
1: mini episode or our special halloween episode
0: right yeah so one of those we'll figure it out more to come join the facebook group and you'll 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 know you'll know so yes
1: yes and uh keep cody and robert in your thoughts and prayers because
0: their sexual deviancy knows no bounds <laughs> that's what they get for missing this episode so yeah <laughs> alright that's gonna do it be safe and we'll see you next time I right, see y'all coming soon
1: <laughs> jolting tales of horror
0: <laughs> creep show the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo, and the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, you'll scream at ghastly ghouls, cringe at weird kids, and shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely in Finessver oh. <laughs> Creep show will grab you grow on you and give you the creeps
1: Now well, this is going to be an entirely new experience.
0: Creep show. The most fun you'll ever have, being scared.